Kokorongo ki te tangi a te kori mako Ko rero flowing a te hoka force Ko papa relevant, ko papa out of bounds Ko papa exigent, ko papa paramount Nga ko nga whakapiri mai ki te Ko papa tino whakahira hira Whakarongo pi kari kari mai Hare hare mai, o tari ngā hare hare mai We gotta gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kane kane move that body Kane kane move that body Tēnā rā koutou katoa e ngā iwi, puta noa i te ika Māui tikitiki a Taranga Whakawhiti i te mono raukawa ki te waipounamu o tira te ao whānui e whakarongo maina i o koutou kāinga. Welcome back to this instalment of Taringa. Ko māua tēnei, ko praone gloin, ko... Te pua heiri e mihi ana ki a koutou. I thought you were waiting for some more theme music to, because you know, it's about a delay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought some dum dum dum. And at the iwi, we have a special guest. Itene Terenga, or the iwi o te wiki. We're back with iwi o te wiki. Norena Nei Mawa e Mihiatuana. Itene Wahaki, Itene Pukorero, Itene Tangata, Itene Wakuhoa, Tatere McLeod, Ehoa e Mihiatuana Kiakue. Tēnā kōrua, kia ora tātou, i ngā mihi o te tauhau. Me e rā kōrero katoa. Ai, and actually, we could pick a number of iwi to speak about because <laughs> I would say that Tātere and followed closely by Tātere would be Leon. Has this big long email sign off where he lists <laughs> all his iwi. But I think the iwi at the top of that list of 10 iwi is Ngati Kahungunu. So, emhiana kia koe hoa mo i wate mai ki te kōrero kia mao o tira ki nga kaiwhakarongo. Welcome. Ngati Kahungunu is te iwi o te wiki. Kwenei a tātou kōrero i tēnei terenga. Ngati Kahungunu. Before we get into the kōrero about Ngati Kahungunu, E hoa tātere, have you got a kiwaha for us, for a kiwaha o te wiki that we can use through this? Yes, we can. This kiwaha is Apaia, and that is sourced from Reverend Hemi Pōtato's book, He Hokinga Mahara, Reverend Hemi Pōtato from Ngāti Rākai Pāka. And in his book, the way that he uses Apaia, the meaning is of course or indeed. So that kiwaha is Apaia. Apaia. Paia. Must be sort of similar to koya, ne? Koya marika, koya. Mm, yeah. Ehara, you know that two way, that trick, ehara? Ehara. 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 Ehake. Ehake. So you could say, did you have a good weekend? And the reply could be, ah, paia. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I don't I don't have an oral, we don't have an um, oral recording of him using it, but it's out of the book. So when I sent it to the grammarians, they came back with that's probably the closest meaning, the way he used it. Ah, paia. Well, I've heard it being used a lot and people sort of dropping the R now, eh? And they're just saying paia. Paia. Yeah, so is there a correlation between the two? It's the same thing that's become colloquialised. I'm not sure about that paia. I know Panya and Leon, no? I'm not sure if that came out of the kura. Yeah. You know, it came out the same time as those mehetes and the how the wekinerus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the way he used that in his book was he spoke about when he went back to Nuhaka with the battalion and there hitangi nui data. So there was the great outpouring of grief, and he said, "Ah, paia e faake hoki ngā So, well, of course, because he had been gone for four years. So I could say, "Ah, paia he paikia te kōrero Māori." Unless you can sort of use it the same as that e meanakoe too, probably, eh? Yeah, it sounds like it. E paia ki haira, so ah, paia. Yeah. All right, that's it. We're going to use it like that now. <laughs> yeah, that's cool because I've seen the the use of it, and never myself used it in the sense and where of um. Well, it's, it still fits, but you think you're saying it's good, where in actual fact it actually would probably increase the good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Only because of the, the pie part and that people can probably be mistaken it as just that. Could you use it in a negative sense as a lot of kiwaha can be? Yeah, I reckon it's the same as that e meanakwe, eh? You can use yeah. that in a positive and a negative yep. way. Right. So, you know, oh, e pehe, e, e kore take rato, ah, pai. Ah, oh, pai, yeah. Of oh, course man. they were. You know it. He's got the stink keke, ah, pai. Ah, pai. Oh, you know that is going to be our kiwaha e te iwi. Ah, pai. Yeah, and keep a listen, you know, listening, because we, we sort of have a little competition just amongst ourselves to see how many times we can use it through the kōrero. Hoia no hoki mai ki tā tātou kaupapa matua i tēnei rā, iwi o te wiki, iwi of the week, and Ngāti Kahungunu, and I'm not going to say hei iwi hao, but you've got an expanse of rohe there to speak about um, tātere, <laughs> and you know, 
Well, people that have some knowledge of Ngāti Kahungunu would know that it extends further than Napier and Hastings. So a lot of people, they'll hear Ngāti Kahungunu straight away, they'll think Napier, Hastings, and that's about it, Hawke's Bay. So maybe if you could just start off our corridor with the boundaries or the taiwhenua of Ngāti Kahungunu, that'll be cool. So the, the, the generally accepted pepa is um, Kahungunu, Koturaki Rai Kirunga, Paritu Kiraro. So the northern boundary is Paritu, and you will go past Paritu just before you hit the Farirata Ranges. So you go up through Rakai Parker, through Morere, and you'll see on your right is the Paritu Road, and then that's our official border with Tamanuhiri. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. as we're crossing across. And then the southern boundary is Turakirai, which is on uh, Cape Palliser, on the other side of Cape Palliser. But I, I mean, I imagine that, you know, there's stories how Kahungunu once lived in Wellington. And then, of course, there was the whole journey or the migration of Kahungunu from the Northland down before he made his final home up at Maungakahia in Mahia, Nukutaurua. But in saying that, we also accept the presence of Rongomai Wahine Iwi in the Mahia Peninsula, mm-hmm. who are staunch to their identity as an Iwi, and also to the Rangitane people. There are still debates around boundaries, so it's always hard for me, but the generally accepted boundary of, of Kahungunu is Paritu to Tsurakirai, stretching across to the uh, Tararua Ranges, coming back to the Ruahine Ranges this side, back across the side of Te Haroto, up to Rangiahua, Tamaterangi maybe, heading up towards Waikare Moana, <laughs> and then back across to um, Paritu. But I acknowledge the presence of Rangitani, who are their own identity and own tribe, descendants of the Kurahaupokanu. Mm-hmm. You made a reference to Kahungunu coming down from up north. Maybe you could ex- whakawhanui or kōrero mō expand on that. Anyone who knows Kahungunu, I guess, especially in a paipai sense, will know that Kahungunu loves celebrating the the tapestry of whakapapa that connects us to other iwi. And we celebrate our history of the Takitumu canoe and the journey of the Takitumu canoe through the Pacific. Well, it was Takitumu. And then, I don't know, it must have been cold on the way down and it started to, they started to say Takitumu. <laughs> so we... <laughs> So the Takitimu canoe first made landfall at Northland at Awarua, and it was there that Tamatearaki Nui and his son Rongo Kako, who married Muriranga Whenua of the Northland tribe. So that was our first connection into the into the Northland tribes, but also celebrating our history down through Toikai Rako. Uh, and then Tamatea Pōkai Whenua, Tamatea Pōkai Moana, Tamatea Urehaia, uh, who married Iwi Pupu Tekura of the East Coast tribes of Hikurangi, and they had Kahungunu. And of course, the Northern people refer to him as Kahuhunuhunu. So they say that their pa was at Tinotino at Orongotea, and they celebrate that Kahungunu was born there. His first wife, Hine Tapu, was from there, and those descendants from that union. Before moving south to Oportiki, Te Hautaruke, Oportiki Maitafiti, and the descendants of that union. Now get a bit mixed up now. Hine Tapu, Te Hautaruke, then there was. These are his wives. Yeah, there was eight wives. So Kahungunu had yeah. eight wives. There was Hinetapu o Kaitaia, Te Hautaruke o Pōtiki Maitawhiti, Kahukura Waia Raya Rua Reretai. And then there was Rungamai Wahine was the seventh. Pauwharekura was the eighth. Who have I missed? I've missed one of his wives. You know you know, this could result in a muru if I don't get this right. <laughs> <laughs> Your neck is on the line. Hinetapu, Te Hautaruke, Rua Reretai, Kahukura Waia Raya. It's okay, you might remember, you know, as we can. Hene Puari Ari. How could we forget Hene Puari The famous lady said, Kaore Hokitera Hango So Hene Puari was reputed for saying that her pool was too shallow to take on the full. Length and of her girth. husband's manhood. That's and, right. that, and she was number six. And then that was met by Rongomai Wahine down in Temahia, who challenged her and said, Nata meara he kopua pāpaku, mehe meara e takaana ki te kopua hōhonu ārapa e tuwhera atu nei poko poko ane ia ki roto. So he said, you know, hine puari ari, your, your orifice is too shallow. If you should come here to the pool of rapa, that is e tuwhera atu nei, which is welcoming you here, yep. then you would you would drown. 
So yeah. that was the challenge from Nongomai Wahine to Hine Puariari. Yeah, and she knew Kahungunu would hear that, right? And he was like, right. She did. Paiatu te kohemu hemu, you know, that gossip travelled up to, to Kahungunu and he's like, oh, well, I'll get you. Let's see what happens. So, but the, the Nongomai Wahine people have always maintained their mana and mm-hmm. the mana of their ancestress, who was the the Marekuro of, of, uh, of Nukutoro. Anyhow, back to what I was talking about. We pride ourselves on our tapestry of whakapapa that connects us to all of the iwi of the motu. So, and a lot of those connections are made through uh, uh, matriarchal lines. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. we celebrate our connection of Mahinarangi and Turongo of the Tainui Canoe, which of course comes all the way down to the Māori King, Tuhetia. We celebrate Rongomai Papa and Tuhorangi, the union of Kahungunu's daughter across to uh, Tuhorangi with the Yarawa tribe. We celebrate Rongorongo, who married um, Tūriariki Nui of the Aotea tribes. We celebrate, you know, those are the sorts of links that we pride ourselves on. But don't worry, don't worry other tribes. There's not going to be any Waitangi tribunal claims. <laughs> <laughs> North of Pari <party> too. <laughs> North of Pari. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I think there's something, though, that people, you know, and I'm just speaking a bit off topic at the moment, but I think we have talked about having pānga or connections and then there's whakapapa connections. And i roto i te ao Māori nā tikanga. A lot of the time when uh, usually it was the wahine that left her mm. tribal area where she mm. was from and she would go and marry uh, te tāne and kanoho kei ki reira. I mean, it's not like now where you can succeed shears and stuff. Mm. You know, your nanny might have went off and you can succeed her shears. I mean, you know, us, Ngāti aren't going to come down there and claim, although we might want to, but we wouldn't, through mm. Mahinārangi, those places yeah. where Mahinārangi lived. So it's good that people understand that those connections are there and they talked about but uh, your ahika in a sense was shifted and they made their own families in other places so yeah me pai katoe ra kōrero ah paia ah paia to that paia I've always found Kahungunu to be an interesting character you know you talked about one particular characteristic yes I said it in one go because usually I characteristics maybe speak of some of the stories about Kahungunu the person who was the eponymous mm. ancestor of mm. Ngāti Kahungunu you're right and I mean he, he was an eponymous ancestor and quite often people only like to refer to you know the size of his genitalia and mm. his way with women as a womanizer I mean Timuti called him a taha wairere because Timothy believed that Kahungunu's mana was derived from his eight wives, of which many were of noble lineage. Mm. So he said Kahungunu was just a bit of a rolling stone that slept his way down the coast until he settled in Temahia. But I think that's a mihi as well. That's Timothy's acknowledgement of the of the mana of his wives. But, I mean, there's a lot of whakatauaki about Kahungunu, which talk about his ability to provide for his people. Mm. And that's another way that he wooed Rongomai Wahine's people. He was a great provider, mm-hmm. you know, watching the shag dive and going down and putting the powers on his body. And, I mean, we all know that powers was the ultimate fate of Rongomai Wahine. We all know the story about the... Well, I think lo- a lot of our listeners wouldn't know that story. It might be good to share. Yeah, the, the stories about Rongomai Wahine was married to Tamatakutai at the time. And, and of course, it was Kahungunu's um, mission to win Rongomai Wahine over. And so there was the story about the power that he had uh, eaten the power and, and passed wind and tried to blame it on poor Tamatakutai. So the piho power is something that, I mean, I've never ever been one. I, I, I don't like it when I'm like, oh, okay, I'll read the piho power. You know, it's, I, I don't like being referred to as a smelly fart from a power. But that is our history. So we pride ourselves on. They were playing the fight game way back then. The fight came here to win hey, Wumai. Yeah, you know, Prani, you would have given um, Kahungunu a run for his money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he was a provider. I probably would have blown Wumai Wahine out of the bed. <laughs> you would have blown all the way up to bloody Gisborne. <laughs> I think Kahungunu was a diplomat. Mm. I think Kahungunu, you know, Te Ure Whakaparati speaks about this, the splashing gushing, spurting penis, you know, whatever you want to say. But I think he was a diplomat. I think he was, I, I, I often wonder sometimes if Kahungunu could see now the whole big following, I guess, you know, he, he's been, yeah. he's a deity and people mm. wear the Kahungunu name and 62,000 people identify as Kahungunu on the census. I think sometimes, you know, Kahungunu would be amazed to know the following that he has now and how people revere him and his name and, yeah. But that's what I know about him. Mm. But um, I'm forever grateful to his uh, 
to his uh, manhood because if it wasn't for that, then we wouldn't be here. So we have the blanket term, Ngāti Kahungunu, and then you have sections of Ngāti Kahungunu. Yeah, so you've got the, so you got, so Rākai Pāka, right? That's your first, so you've got Rongomai Wahine over in Nukutauru, Ngāti Hikairo. Then you're coming back to Rākai Pāka in the Nuhaka area. So they've got a staunch identity. But basically it's divided into six regions. You've got Kahungunu ki and that stretches all the way from Nuhaka down to Mohaka and covers back to this side of Lake Waikare Moana. And I'm always very careful when I talk about that boundary because I have many Tuhoi friends who would love to challenge me on that. Then you've got Kahungunu Kiahuriri. So you've got Kahungunu down in Hawke's Bay, so Kahungunu in the Napier area, Kahungunu Kihere Taunga, Kahungunu Ki Tamatea, Tamatea Central Hawke's Bay, Waipukuro, Waipawa, Porangahau, all of that area. Kahungunu Ki Tamaki Nuiarua, the Danny Virk area stretching down to Woodville, and then Kahungunu Ki Te Wairarapa, the southern end of the tribe. So the iwi is divided into six taifenua, and majority of those hapu run the affairs within that area. Mm. But also in regards to the Waitangi tribunal claims, or actually we didn't go to the tribunal, we went straight direct negotiation, Kahungunu will not have one big claim. Kahungunu sent the claims down to the hapu level because they believed at the time that the autonomy rests with the hapu and because we are such a huge iwi, and as we can see with another huge iwi that's having a hell of a time trying to get a mandate, mm. that's why Ngāhiwi split it into the hapu. So mm. that quantum settlement will never come to one entity. It'll go to those respective LNGs, large natural groupings. Ah, mm. oh, paia. Ah, oh, paia. There you go. You talk about the different hapu. What was that, LNGs? Yeah, so the large natural groupings. Large natural I groupings. Yeah, I like that term. Too. I'm going to use that. But so in pre-European times or in, in the time of, was there a centre point for the iwi? Or um, I know we were, uh, a lot of us were nomadic and stuff. If there is a pa or an area, is it agreed upon where that place would be? So sort of like the headquarters, where would yeah. our tūranga waiwai be? Yeah. Well, like, first of all, right, they speak about te hukis net, te kupinga te huki. So they talk about how peace reigned throughout the region and it went all the way from Uawa, from um, Ngā Rangi Whakatātare uh, ki te, I mean, uh, te kūpenga nā kānanati kāhu i tāna kūpenga kā toro e tīpurangahau ki roto uawa. So that, so that net, that invisible net, I guess, went from all the way from Porangahau up to uawa. So that was te kūpenga te huki, te huki's net, which ultimately saw the peace, a long-term peace reigned amongst the people. So there's that. Then there's Takitimu Meeting House in Wairua at Waihirere that King mm. Koroki opened. Mm. And there's all the stories about when King Koroki went to enter the house and the Waikato elders wouldn't let him pass under the pare of the whare because ko ngā kūhau rongomai wahine kūwehe mai ana, ne? So it, was, it wasn't until they described the whakapapa and said, well, hold on, Koroki descends from rongomai wahine. So there's the Takitimu Meeting House, which stands tall at Waihirere. And my understanding is that was the paramount meeting house of Kahungunu. And then Kahungunu over in Nuhaka was built, and that's just as stunning. I think that's the second largest. I'm not sure which one is the larger one, but they're generally accepted as the largest meeting houses. Then you had Te Kotahitanga at Waipatu. So for the Here Taunga people, the Māori Parliament meeting at Waipatu, Waipatu was the central hub for the Here Taunga tribes. Mm. Then you had Te Kotahitanga down in Wairarapa at Pāpāwai in Greytown. So that was the central hub for the Wairarapa people. Central Hawke's Bay, I'm not too sure what the hub was there, but I do know that at Wairua they call it Te Pārekereketanga a ngā rangatira. So that speaks about the rangatira of that area. I mean, there's 36 marae in the Wairua district. There's probably 88 all up through Kahungunu. So it's 88 marae. So the hub at the moment now is Waipatu is probably the hub for Here Taunga, but then Omahu is the biggest meeting house. So Omahu, I guess, is our Tūranga Waiwai. You know, that's the biggest marae. Yeah. I call it the fare Iomahu, which is the house. Kahukuranui. Ah. Kahukuranui, oh yes. Kahukuranui. So that's a bit. But then you've got Te Hapuku down at Te Hauke, so that was also important. Then you had the Po of the Kingitanga, Waiohiki. So there was a time that Waiohiki was important because of Tareha Te Moananui. Mm. But there is no central hub now, I guess. Mm. But there is in those respective regions. Kia ora rawa. Kia ora. Ah, paia ngā kōhaurau o Kahunanui. Ah, paia. <laughs> Well, what about some of these sayings, you know, like Kahungunu, Tuke Matanui, and Etahi o Nga Pepeha, you've got Here Taunga Hauku Nui, Haro Te Kahu. I don't really use that Nga Tuke Matanui or Kahungunu. I mm. mean, I think that that speaks about, well, I mean, my understanding is Kahungunu's ability to 
well, Kahungun is good looks and all those sorts of things. So I don't really like those. I think it's a bit kumara. So I don't mm. use the Ngātuke yeah. Matanui or Kahungunu. I use the Kahungunu Matangiro, but I know Rotorua has a Matangiro as well. Yeah. So that, that term Matangiro comes from the river mouth of the Wairo River from the Kihitu people of Te Rohina. So it speaks about Kahungunu of many winds. But I think it has a lot of meaning. To me, it means the diversity of Kahungunu as a people such a huge region. But I also think, you know, Kahungunu, like any other tribe, when it's time to come together, we can't leave our egos at the door for the common cause mm-hmm. and come together. So there's that. There's Te Wairua Tapokoro. So there's a couple of meanings of that, that Nā Te Atahunga Wahine ka tapoko tāne. Yeah. So, you know, because of how beautiful the Wairua women were, the men would get stuck in the hole. Of hole. a relationship. <laughs> but it also speaks about the, the power of the Wairua people and how they were revered for the practice of makutu and black magic. So it's another meaning that I've heard of Te Wairua Tapokoro. And even when Po said to me, Po Temara said that when he was a child, there were two places that he that he revered due to the heavy practicing of makutu, and that was Waikato and Wairua. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are two places that he was always taught you don't go and throw your weight around, I guess. Then you've got, uh, if we're coming down into uh, so here taunga hauku nui, here taunga ararau, here taunga haronga o te kahu, here uh, taunga rau rau haumako. So I believe that that speaks about the fertile plains of here taunga. And it is, that's why it's the fruit bowl now. Anything can grow there. Here taunga ararau, I always like to think of that as it goes back to the diversity of the kahungunu people. There's more ways than one to skin a cat. Mm. Meararo, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a hundred paths to enlightenment. You know, when we talk about the revitalization of the real, we're all looking for the holy grail, mm. and that's why I said meararo. We have to accept that there are many paths of learning and retaining te reo Māori, and you know, if we can just have a ceasefire in the world of pedagogies, then we might be <laughs> able to make some ground. So that's where I use that araro. That's another one you'll hear used a lot. You know, the prow- the prowess of kahungunu, the skills of kahungunu on the land as well as at the sea, which is the same with the kahungunu people now. I mean, I'd be the most hopeless kahungunu. I don't eat pawa. Hmm. I'd probably drown if I went out trying to get seafood. I'm such a topiore. I'm such a scaredy cat. So I'm not sticking my hands under any rocks to get anything. <laughs> 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 so I'm the most useless kahungunu. I don't even eat pawa. <laughs> But you can cook it. I can cook it. I can cook it. I can cook seafood, but nah, you get me out in that sea and I'm a scaredy cat. And just so everybody might not know, but Tatere is actually a very good cook. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you brought up Araro and you sort of made an allusion to some of the real or the, the work that you're doing in the language revitalization space. Kaungun is doing very, very well, and congratulations to you again for the Seat Supreme Award. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the Kahungunu of today. Mm-hmm. And when we have these iwi o te wiki, I sort of like to spend a bit of time to put a kōrero about what the iwi is doing and where you see the iwi going. And even to sort of put you on the spot, he nui nā pepeha kōtike i o tātou tūpuna te, te waihanga. If you were to think of some today that describes the iwi, what would those be? Kei te uh, wanatonu au i tātou, tō tātou kūrareo, e rua wiki ka mahu eke nei. Kahungunu, although we're not quite as bad as, as how Ngaitahu was treated, we're not that far behind. Kahungunu was one of the first tribes to suffer huge language losses, and for many reasons. And I'm not going to sit here and cast blame and go back to blaming the settlers and all those sorts of things, but in some areas in Kahungunu, we're up to six generations of English speakers. And that's huge. Mm. Six generations of no deal. I mean, I'm the first bilingual speaker in five generations in my family. And my son, Temoto, is the first native speaker in six generations. So that just goes to show you the huge loss suffered within Kaungunu. Even though that presents a whole lot of difficulty, it also presents a whole lot of opportunity. Because I think Kaungunu has been sort of, yes, we were one of the last tribes to sort of start pushing the real plight. But when you look back to the 80s, Kahungunu was involved at the inception of Kohanga Reo. We were involved in Te Māori. We were involved in the performing arts revival and all those sorts of things. So even though the whole language revitalization, we didn't actually formalize a strategy till much later, I think there still has been a lot of work that's been done in that area. But I think it's been accelerated in the last 10 years 
And I'm not saying that because I've been here in my job for eight of those years, but I think that it was just the time for us to start investing in youth and those sorts of things. One of the biggest things was is that we had to stop. You know, we're so fixated on the past and we're so fixated on on trying to be like our, our ancestors and trying to maintain the sounds of the past, the words of the past and all those sorts of things. So one of the biggest things for Kahunganu was to accept that we will never speak like the last bastion of native Māori language speakers. Those people were three to four generations before me. So we're talking about people who were born between 1900 to 1930, of which that's the only generation we have oral recordings of. So we were so hell-bent on thinking that in order for me to be Kahunganu, I had to speak like those people. And I think you and I, Paraune, know that no matter how hard you try, our languages will never be the same as the generation of Tepuya and the generation of Aussie and them, Aussie Huata, We Huata, John Scott and all those ones. So once we got over that and we shifted the focus of the strategy was, well, actually, Rokawa had the best model. They embraced any Māori language speakers living within the region of Rokawa down in Otaki, and now they have the ultimate granddaddy of all strategies is Whakatupuranga Ruamano. Mm-hmm. So we had to go back to that. We had to think, well, hold on. It's okay to be pro-Kahunganu, but it doesn't mean you have to be into everyone else. And then suddenly all of our in-laws and all of our other iwi who had held the mana on our pie for all these years started to feel that they didn't have a part to play. So we embraced everyone again. There was that, and the other thing was to accept the evolution of language. Language is evolving. We must create new words. We must create new sounds. And and you and I both know, you listen, you know a kura kaupapa reo straight away. You know a kohanga reo. There was that. But I think what it was was you need leadership and you need someone who's going to stay in that space and that's going to be their, their sole role is to drive the iwi language strategy. It can't just be point two of someone's role. It can't just be auntie who's going to volunteer to do it. The reality is if you're not getting paid, there's no accountability to a role. So I think when Kahunganu invested that into one person driving that strategy, they had Don Hutana, he kick-started it, and then we had another couple of people, and then when I picked it up, I sort of had to evolve the strategy. Now, that was part of my own thinking as well, had to evolve, and I had to accept that, well, not everyone aspires to be a grammarian like me. Not everyone is going to aspire to be a Panikiritanga graduate. Not everyone is, is learning te reo so that they can have great fai quarter and great karanga. So that was that whole ararau thing. And even my own thinking's had to evolve because I had my own perception on what a quality deal looked like. Mm. So it's been good. There's been a lot of compromise and there's been a lot of evolution of thinking. And I always look at in Kahunganu, the alpha and the omega of the Māori language world is Timothy's at one end of the spectrum who has an unapologetic, brash, confrontational, arrogant strive for excellence. Mm. And he's unapologetic. Then you've got Liz Hunkin at the other end who embodies the ethos of te Tarangi, which is humility. So when I got into my role, I thought, how do I get the Alpha and the Omega into the Kohanga Nunui or into the equilibrium so that we can pull all those Ararau together? And we and we did. We finally got I mean, Timothy can now say Kahunganu and Tato in a sentence without choking or making a joke, mm-hmm. you know. So that those are my performance measures. Mm-hmm. When Timothy and Liz can sit at the same table and agree on something, then that's huge. But, you know, like, I, I don't think Kahunganu is doing anything groundbreaking. I think we're just ensuring that language is a priority and accepting that all people will have various reasons for learning the language and they all have different aspirations and dreams. And, mm. and, and yeah, so it involved me of having to pull my head out of, my, out of the proverbial. Mm. That's my long answer to your very simple question. <laughs> very comprehensive. <laughs> Very comprehensive. Hefako to Ararau. Ararau. I get a bit passionate about this stuff, so. That's wonderful. Yes, yeah. He pai kia rongo i te wana. Yeah, because I know a lot of our listeners, you know, he iti te mōhio ki te reo Māori, so they haven't got command of the language. Some of them are beginners, and a lot of them, I know a lot of people that are listening that I've had feedback from, um, they do e mana ki te reo Māori, and even though this podcast is done in English predominantly, and paku reo rua nei, they find Find it quite inspiring and invigorating to hear speakers such as yourself oh, sharing hi. their cordial. It's so important, and and that's been part of me with all of our real stuff that we're doing. It's like, well, hold on, the message has to be heard. It's one thing to hear the word, and then it's another thing to hear the message. Mm. And if we if we're gonna if we're gonna maintain this exclusive attitude of and all those things, and you have to speak the real yada yada. So when I had my symposium last year, Te Reo Kitua, it was all bilingual. Majority of it was English because the message had to be heard. And mm. what was that symposium about? It was about getting 700 people from Kahunganu, give me two days of your 365-day year, 
and let yourself be inspired. And I think that, you know, when I look at Kurereo, Kurereo is great. And we all know you go to Farihuya's class and you'll get taught 50 whakatauki. You'll go to Timoti's class and get taught 50 new words or new structures. And you'll be lucky if you remember one. But my thing is, come here. Acquisition is the, is the, is the overarching goal. But it's not. It's saying come and be kahungunu for five days, hang out with like-minded people and recharge your battery. Because that's one thing that a lot of people weren't doing in kahungunu. When I looked at the pie graph, I had to, of everything, all those ararau, I had to find our niche. And what was happening was is that no one was expending any energy on the Reels champions. Mm. And they were getting burnout. We all know. We all know when you're trying to revive Rio, it's like pushing tickle up the hill sometimes. So what I say is actually come in, be inspired and go back out and then come back in in three months get back on the diet because I always use the diet analogy, go out and come back and just keep recharging. Because when you look to me, a language revitalization strategy, the language is only the bullseye of the dartboard. You know, that's only a small part. And we get so hung up sometimes thinking that it's the grammar, it's the sound, it's all of that, but it's actually people. And if you haven't got people in your strategy, so it's all social engineering, brothers. It's how do we capture, convert and hold. And if you can't get people in your real strategy, then ha, kokore hetake. Getting a bit passionate again. You better throw me another question. I'm going to go on my own tangent. No, it's great. You know, it's like we're in Te Hahi o Te Reo. (laughs) (laughs) Te Koho. Yeah, so Kofo Mai, you know. (laughs) You you got to control me because I'll go hundi and I just get so passionate. And that's probably the hard thing. You go to these symposiums and then when you come out of them, you're just so passionate. And when you see someone who just doesn't give two flying craps about the Reo and you get all hundi on them and you, (laughs) shame on you. How dare you? Your ancestors would be ashamed, and then you got to get over yourself. Yeah. But it's great, and I think that's the success of Kahunganu. You just have those events throughout the year and keep people energized, and they need the Sunny Bills. Paraoni, you're a Sunny, you're a real Sunny Bill. Pania is a real Pamela Anderson. Mm. Leon is a real Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. You know, <laughs> you need the pinups, and that's important. Mm. Not that we've deviated from our kaupapa, but to sort of tie into the reo and the regional, the taifenua takiwa of kahungunu, is perhaps share with us some of the unique kupu of kahungunu or sayings and your thoughts too on mita. I mean, we've done a segment on mita and the kura ki tō hana, and she said some ngaitahu, e tahi o kupu o ngaitahu. So maybe... A, um, hmm. about some of the kupu and your thoughts on mita because um, I know o te tangi ki a mātou te tangi o te reo very good yeah, very good te, point te tangi o te reo hmm. well it's my PhD thesis it's something that I love and I realise that dialect doesn't turn everyone on but I mean that's what PhD is about you know you have to find something that turns you on and dialect does for me so, and I think the reason is, is because for me, being born and raised in Australia, and then I come back to my Kahungunu people, out of my 10 tribes, Kahungunu is one I have the strongest affiliation with. And I think, well, what's my identity as Kahungunu? Is identity as Kahungunu determined by dialect? Because when you first start to learn the language, that's your assumption, that there's a dialect and we say things different. You know, you mentioned te tangi, and it's, that's a really good point, because dialect is purely based on sound. So I, I like that tangi o te reo. When you look at Kahungunu, right, when you go up into, into the wider area, and that's probably where you have your last bastion of Komatua native speakers there, it's a melting pot of dialectal sounds. So you go into Nuhaka, and you've got that strong East Coast sound, but then it's sort of mixed with that guttural wider sound. Mm-hmm. So you, you meet someone like Jim Fanger. Hey, to pay help Ah, kayangaratu. So then you've got that, but then you've got the, you know, you've got your awos and you've got your akunis. That's a strong, that's a strong East Coast sound, right? Then you come into Whakaki and they've got their own sound, like Uncle Enoka and them. But the thing is that just because you're from Whakaki doesn't mean you all talk the same. So, you know, when you did Kōwhaorau and I did Matangiro, ah, kiawa ni. It's not a kiawa, it's more of a kiawa. Mm. You get that sound. <laughs> then you're coming back up into Wairo and you listen to Aussie and we, and Aussie was like a machine gun. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then we had another sound, you know. 
So those are the sounds you have there. Then when you come into heretonga, heretonga is probably the hardest to determine sounds. But when you look at dialect, right, I always look at dialectal indicators. First one is body parts. You know, if it's a tara, a teke, a nono, mm. kofa, or I don't know if any other words. You've got your fero, your to, mm. your kumu. So mm. kumu is the generally accepted kahungunu one. Mm. I think we're a tara. Mm. And then we're a mahunga. Mm. We prefer the pakihiwi as opposed to the pokofifi. Mm. We're not a mātinga. The only reason we use mātinga is because it's in the scriptures. Or in the himine. Oh. Or in the himine. In the ringatus, we love the mātinga, pikonate mātinga. We love the tau. Not you that love tau. the tau. You love the tau. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we drop that in and you get a tau. Mm. And then the other things that you'll hear is that there's a preference for the ngia. I'm not saying we don't use the hears and the tears, but if you go into Wairo and you listen to these, they love the ngia. Kalanga ngia. Mm. We love the tangas, takuhoki tanga, as opposed to the hangas that you hear a lot of in tuhoi. Yeah. See, for me, the tuhoi love the hia and they love the hanga. But the other thing that we forget about dialect is that it was individual preference. These people did not say, I'm kahungunu, so I'm going to say tu. And there's no way that someone who was born in Wairua would speak the same as someone who was born in Wairarapa. Mm. It's possible. The hardest thing is when you're looking at dialect is that you don't prescribe a dialect to say, it's like what's happening up in Tuhoi. You don't say, and that's the one thing at the Runanganui, you don't say, we are all going to say kaite now and haite. Mm. No, that's how I write it because that's how I say it. But I'm not prescribing that you must drop the G or you must start writing tu or you have to write moho. Because you say moho, you're going to start writing M-O-H-O. I don't believe that we should start changing the orthographic conventions based on sound, mm. because we would never do it with English. Yeah. You wouldn't get away with it with English. Mm. Mm. What's you up to? What's you doing? Oh, you know, you know, you know all that hoary English that we speak. So for me, it was saying to Kahungunu, don't get hung up on dialect, because when I hear people talk about the two-hoy sound, there is a lot more to a two-hoy sound than people who drop their Gs. Yes. Yep. And I hear it because I'm from outside and you would hear it too. And it's because of what I hear in those two hoi native speakers that helps me differentiate what the kahungunu sound is. And you and I both know there's a lot more. And it's the same when I go into your fellas way. I always do the eanas and the pefels and mekwe tahi and kyakwe tahi. <laughs> and you love it. And you love it. That wee pefel na kwe kare. So you could say, when it comes to dialect or te tangi o te reo, it could almost be individualised. Eh? So yeah, like, I've, 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 I've shared that opinion as well, that you could live in one house, speak, and your tamariki and that will learn the way that you speak, and it'll be totally different to your neighbours whom you may be bounded by blood. Mm. Exactly, and that's what's happened. We get so hung up on autonomy, tino ranga tiratanga, yep. and we think that we have to speak, if someone speaks like this, they are more kahungunu than someone else. Yeah. If someone says konohi, kanohi, pakihiwi, pokohiwi, pokofifi, oh, hey, why? But the thing is, like, like with my kids, my kids are saying how. Hardly anyone says how anymore. <laughs> you know how many people say good God now <laughs> as well? <laughs> that become, that's becoming a dialect. It's a smart-ass dialect. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with, you know, it's it's like us with boy. <laughs> yeah. That was Matero. Matero Hainga started that. And I get it, I get my I get my back up a bit when I see other people using <laughs> it in our group. Yeah. <laughs> it's not mine, but it's just me. But, but <laughs> it is bro, like it, it's yeah, individual. Yeah. Yep. And those Ko would have spoken a language that was relevant to their time. And a lot of it is a lot of it is slang. Like I would I'd be mortified to think that someone would listen to this interview in a hundred years and think that I was speaking Kahungunu English dialect especially mm. with my grammatical yep. mistakes. And you can't get dialect from writings as well. It's like me, Peroni. I would research Peroni's Facebook posts and say, ooh, that must be Wharepuhunga dialect. It's ludicrous, mm. absolutely ludicrous. Yep. Yep. Just in the, you know, the evolution of language and talking about myself, there was a time there where I, tr- I used a lot of akene, and that was because I was with a lot of two-way speakers. You know, we don't say akene. I've never said ekene. Um, or akuni. I might use akuni if I'm with a Nati Pro speaker, but that's my sort of little, that's something that I found I, I do a lot. I don't even think about it, that sort of how you do it when you're up here. Or if I'm yep. in Kitahara Kitatai Tokero, yeah, I'll yep. use their mara. Yeah, you, ref, you always refer to me as mara. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They call that a chameleon. Yeah. Leon told me that because he said, you're a chameleon. Yeah. I said, a comedian? He's like, a chameleon. Yeah, both. You're a <laughs> comedic chameleon. <laughs> but now I've found, 
I, I, I might be wrong, but I don't think we used in Tainui Aquanepia how Tuhua use Akenepia or mm. Akene. But now, naturally, I say Akene. I use our word, but in the way that Tuhua would use Akene. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, instead of saying Aquanepia or Akenepia, I'd say Aquanepia. Aquanepia. Yeah. Right. And I recorded myself a while ago speaking about something. I listened to myself played it back and I was surprised to hear how many times I'd used Aquane like that and I thought, whoa. Yep. Yeah. Well even I hear you say you you use you know the word nah and you say nah. Yeah. And you could mistaken it because of where you learn from. But I think it is and how dialects happen is because you get so comfortable with your language. Yeah. Just like we do with English. That yeah. you just you know you Yeah, I do some of my you're right. Yeah. One time I came home, it called Maoko Nahuya. Yeah. And um, she says to me, You said a nari <laughs> And I said, no, I didn't. She goes, yes, you did. You said enari <laughs> instead of enari. You said nahuya. It just came out, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. But not every word I'll drop the G, but it's just something. But it's just, yeah, yeah. Same. And that's why people get so hung up. And it's like, well, you know, this is a living language. And, and I know exactly what you mean, because Tarina noticed it with me. She's like, you talk different to Selwyn Parata than you talk to Timoti. I said, well, when I'm talking to Timoti, my deal is normally cynical. It's just sarcasm. It's <laughs> smart ass all the time. Then when I'm talking to someone, then I chuck on my Ngāti Parotuang. Right. When I'm up in Ruatuki, I talk different to how I do in Ruatahuna. Mm. But it's funny because when I go to Ruatuki and I want to get up and mihi in the whare, I always, oh, ehikama kia ora tato, because that's when the identity comes out. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and I get what you mean, um, Brad, because there is a time when in the evolution of my language that I thought, well, hold on, we don't say pākeke, we say pākeke, mm. you know, and I know what you mean because there's a lot of kiwa that I was learning that my... I, the co-marcher here would have no idea what it meant. Yes. Tauareare. Yeah. See, we wouldn't use the word tauareare, we would use matapiko. Same or with us. We'd say yeah. kaipunu. Yeah, see? So I think there is that time, and that's probably the caution to second language speakers, because, you know, there are words that are unique to iwi, and I think that one thing we don't do enough of is that we don't deliver the message. We deliver the word, mm. but we don't deliver the message. Yes. And I think that it's good to use words from other iwi, and it's good like how you and I go up north and we go places and we use those words. But if I use the word uta uta down mm. here, no one would know what I'm talking about. Mm, yeah. Oh, really? Not a uta uta. Oh, everybody knows what that is. Well, because we, and the other thing is we love borrowed <laughs> words. Kahunganu, the generation is still ones for borrowed words. Yeah. We love borrowed words. So, you know, the panoni and the, you know how we've tried to um, revive all these ancient words. Yeah. If I want to talk to my kaumata, I've got to go back to tini, I've got to go back to kremi, I've got to go back to titi for deed. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I've been given the privilege of speaking on my marae too, and the amount of head scratching from the taumata, like, what is this fella saying? Taumata? And then, yeah, you revert it back to because men are kamaramate te hunga areare, so, so, yeah, you do refer back, but as yeah, as a second language learner, I think it's great. We say, I talk about permission. Give yourself permission to learn every word and to use every word for the sake of knowing it, and then go and find out where that word comes from mm. and all that because you're just you're limiting yourself. It's like Tamati really when they question Hapori, eh? They said, well, hold on, that word, when they researched it, it comes through Taitokoro. Mm. But their word for that would be Kainga. Communities mm. were Kainga. Mm. Or the Kainga. Mm. The Kainga. You know, you know the most trick sound kainga. I love is Fano Apanui because you've got a fusion of Coasty with Matatua. Mm. Yeah. You listen to Rikirangi Gage, he's sort of like a half Matatua, half. Um, Nati Pro. Sometimes I just make conversation up with him so I can hear him talk because <laughs> he's got a really interesting um, sound, those Apanuis. Yeah. They're right in the middle between two Māori, strong Māori languages. Even that, you know how when um, Hemi Hinare and Api and them used to say Māori? Māori, yeah. yeah. When they're speaking English, right? Yeah. Yeah. According to the Māori. That that particular generation. Mm. Just back to the message, that's how one of my friends who was of the Baha'i faith explained to me what Baha'i is. That it's not about the... He said, if you can imagine the divine message as the light and then all the different hahi or religions is actually the lamp that holds that light. So Catholicism has, you know, got their lamp, how they hold the light and then Anglican. But it's not actually what's holding the light, it's actually the light. 
is how he explained it to me. And he said, Baha'i is about acknowledging all the, and no, I'm not Baha'i and I'm not doing a plug for the Baha'i faith, but that's how he explained Baha'i to me. And that's what I keep thinking when, because you've used that a couple of times now, that it's about the message. You go to a tangi, right? And we have a responsibility to use high-level words of praise to that person. You know, there is a whaikōrero language that when you greet the dead, you use the highest echelons of language. I get it. But the message is, is actually we're here to warm the hearts of the whānau pani. Mm. You're here to touch the hearts of the whānau pani. And even people who don't speak Māori will still understand a good whaikōrero, which is delivered with emotion and it's delivered with compassion and it's delivered to touch hearts. That's what I, that's what I'm talking about. The message. You look beyond the words. Mm. That's what you're there for. You are there to heal the hearts of the Fano Pani. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean Tika. about the message. We can't lose sight of the message because we can get caught up in the nuts and bolts of grammar and and fluty academic language or whatever, which is great. And that's what I like about Poe. Poe to me is the best practitioner of Whaikoro in the nation because he knows how to touch hearts. He knows how to use a language that is intelligible by his audience, mm. you know, and that's the key. You're up there, bro. Parani, you get up and you know, you don't always use Arako, but you know when to and you know how to capture an audience. It's the same with Po. You capture an audience. And I think you've captivated our listeners today. Ah, the same when everyone we speak to mm, yeah. when you get put in the space you know you're not being you know we're not mucking around and stuff you know <laughs> now to put you on the spot in closing because I think mm-hmm. I asked you to think about making up on the spot some kōrero pepeha or whakatauki about that describes kahungunu or your people what you see for tomorrow Kahungunu tangata reo, kahungunu tangata ora. The livelihood and the and the 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 future of our identity of kahungunu rests with our language. Kapai, hera we tira. Tena kuru. Kapai. Tena kue. Kapai. It was very nice to have serious conversation for once. It was, and it was quite refreshing. Etino pai rawatu. Yep. Tetino mutunga mai nei o te pai rawatu marika. Motehemotunuatu. Ah, paia. Ah, paia. I always enjoy our kōrero. Yeah, yeah. Seems like we could have just kept talking there. Oh, yeah. Like I keep saying, it's only surface scratching. Yeah, there were some points there in the conversation I wanted them to sort of, but I, I, I was conscious of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure our koutou, koutou mai te hunga whakarongo, all our listeners, I'm sure you enjoyed that session. Not only the kōrero about kahungunu, but sharing his passion about the revitalization of te reo kahungunu and Māori language in general. Yeah, definitely. Especially when a lot of people are starting to question where, if they're on a real journey or just wanting to start off, what it looks like from an iwi perspective. Mm. Yeah. You know, a lot of people may not know the efforts that a lot of people were doing behind the mm. behind the scenes. So I think there was a glimpse, only a glimpse into what Tatere does for his iwi. Yeah. Well, even the part there, it wasn't until after he said it when he referred to him being brought up in Australia. Yeah. You know, I think that's uh, inspirational in itself. I could imagine, yeah, most listeners go, yeah. wow. Brought up in Australia, doesn't go to Kohanga Reo, no kura kaupapa. Doesn't need power. Doesn't need power. <laughs> <laughs> but he felt that, you know, the way do I guess, to yeah. return home and learn the Reo. So I guess if you've got the drive, yeah. you know, you can learn learn your language. And then now he's an excellent speaker of Te Reo. Yeah. He's sort of done full circle. So, um, yeah, mihi ana ki aia. Aye, Me tata aye. Me tātātai kai kōrero. Ko ranga tira ngāti kahununu i aia. Koina, koina. And tā, tāwa o tira tātau i aia. Aye. Yeah. And to finish it off, we're going to launch into Te Waiata o Te Wiki. And we've actually had a few kahungunu, waiata kahungunu on here. We've had rongo mai wahine, tūtira mai ngā iwi. So we're going to pick one of the old-time greats, one of the classics, Ete Iwi. 
composed by Praire Tomwana, one of the prolific composers in his day. And he composed in the time of Apira Nangata and those greats. Tawaiata o te wiki is Tahi Nei Tarukino, one of the old-time solid gold favourites. One of the old times, taking you back. Nō reira, whakarongo mai. Tahi Nei Tarukino, mahi whaia i po, kei te wehenga, aroha kauana. One of these melodies about it, eh? Yeah. yeah, it's almost nostalgic for the ones that grew up around the yeah. the feet of the table. Yeah, yeah, the feet of the table, the feet of the table, <laughs> picking up change. <laughs> it's definitely one of those way out there that conjures up memories. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. but it's timeless. Yes, we should learn to sing these songs again. I think we compose a lot of songs mm. and then we forget a lot of them as well. So. That's right. Mm. To me as a composer, and I know we've talked about this in one of our other sessions about how Whakataitai or competition has influenced how we compose yep. Waiata today as opposed to how Waiata was composed yesteryear. Yeah. Tahi Nei Taruki no for me is one of those songs that exemplifies everything that should be in a Waiata. Yep. Probably more importantly is the, the kupu yep. and then a good tune to go with the kupu. Yeah, it's not a long waiata. No. It's something you can listen to a couple of times and pick the kupu up. And the themes, the themes are timeless. Kwena, the kaupapa. Yeah. The kaupapa. Yeah. And kote aroha. Kote aroha. Hoi noe hoa e, e mihi ana ki a koe. Kia ora. Uh, I tā noho, me tō tāohoa a tātere. And to all our listeners, you can go back and listen to the kōrero again. And if you want to learn the waiata, tahi nei tarukino, and look up some of the kōrero about praere tomuana, then kūkara atu. <laughs> <laughs> Find that on Google, and we'll be back next week with Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe. Taringa, fakarongo mai. <laughs>